25. Being involved in athletics all my life, you know, you go to a Yankee game or any kind of NBA game and you say, oh man, how cool would it be to work out or to be in the coach's office when he's going over the X's and O's or taking infield practice and watching these guys, you know, work out. And I was just, when uh, Paul was leading us in worship, I was just thinking, well, you know what? We have that right here. We have that with God's word in a sense, that we get to work out together. We get to uh, dive into his word and see what he has on the cutting edge of all eternity. Did you ever think of that? We get to open up God's word and then have fellowship with one another, discuss it, chew on it, meditate on it, and just continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And I want to open up with verse 25. We covered a little bit of this last time. But in Romans 11, verse 25, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And for, in the beginning, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant. God does not want you or I to be ignorant of his word. You and I have the privilege to be able to come together on Wednesday and on Sunday uh, during the week to just open up his word. He wants to increase our knowledge of him. And everything that's going on in our society today is all playing out his story. The history of God is happening every single day. But so many people as are ignorant of what's going on. They have a worldly view where you and I have a biblical worldview. And that's night and day. It's, there's no comparison to what God is showing you and me and how we look at what's going on in our world today. And many of us believe this is the end times. And with everything that's going on, it almost reinforces our belief that this is the end time. Politically, economically, spiritually in our country, people that we know, our own children, our, our people that we work with, they're just like clueless with everything that's going on in the world and how it's moving to the day that God's going to take us out of here and there's going to be seven years of hell on earth called the tribulation. And we want to get a fire in our hearts that whether it be for the Jew or the Gentile, that we're just hungry living our lives for the Lord and that people glean from just being around us because of the Holy Spirit in us, that we're imitators of Jesus. Back to verse 25. So God wants to increase our grace and knowledge. He doesn't want you and I to be ignorant. Now, we looked at last time that the mystery is that God is not done with the Jewish people. He's not done with Israel. The best is yet to come with Israel, but there's going to be a lot of, lot of uh, tribulation and heartache. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 18, it talks about us being wise in our own eyes. Basically, it comes down to humanism today, 
that it's a humanistic, it's a worldly viewpoint. And people think they're wise in that area. They feel that they know it all. But we don't want to have that worldly wisdom. We want to have godly wisdom. And the only way we get godly wisdom is by putting in his word into our minds and into our heart. And we'll see that in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And remember, this flows, these chapter divisions is not how Paul wrote the book of Romans. It's just a continuous read. Okay? So, not to be wise in our own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And I was just thinking since last week when I taught about a blind person. Just think about that. You're blind or you're in a dark place. You just close your eyes and you're just trying to walk around. And I'm not even going to venture to go out past this, this pulpit where I'm, I'm grasping right now. But if you're a blind person, it's dark. I'm imagining what's out here right now. I don't really know. And if I start walking, I'm afraid I might trip. I'm afraid I might fall. I don't know if there's stairs. I wish I could see. I go by my senses of maybe smell or hearing or feeling, touching. I'm lost in my own little world, you know. And that is exactly what is going on with Jews and Gentiles today that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's a blindness. There's an absence of light. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. But if you don't have Jesus, you're walking in darkness no matter how wise you are, how intellectual you are. There's an absence of His wisdom, of godly wisdom. Um, you're try they're trying to find their way around. Think of you and I. We were lost before we came to Jesus Christ. We were grasping. We were trying to fill a void that was there. And we tried different ways, right, to fill it. And it just wouldn't get done. Uh, a blind person is dependent. That's not bad, though, to be dependent for us spiritually. We always want to be dependent on the Lord. Um, you have your hands out when you're walking. Well, I want the hands out to my Heavenly Father and praising Him or just saying, Dad, grab my hand and bring me through this life. I need that dependence on you. I need your wisdom. I need your Holy Spirit guiding me. Um, a person who is blind is, has less motion. They're not moving as much as you and I do and walking around and stuff. They're in their own little bubble. But remember what God said to you and me, to be still and know that I am God. Because of all the senses we have, because of our blessings, it can be a detriment when we don't put ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We can do, be too busy like Martha. We can too, be too busy doing things and not sitting at the Lord's feet receiving things from Him. So that's a caution that we all have to uh, look out for. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 14, please. Verse 16. Luke 14, 16. And read with me just uh, eight verses, verses 16 to 24 of Luke 14. This is Jesus speaking. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. 
and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported the things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now we have to understand that we can apply this very readily to chapter 11 of Romans, that the Jewish people were invited. God came to the Jewish people. He chose them. He chose Abraham, that root of Israel, Abraham and all his descendants. But they rejected him. But there is a remnant that didn't reject him. But there's also a majority that did. Okay, and God's going to eventually come back to the nation Israel and the Jewish people and their eyes are going to be open one day. And right now when we have uh, Jewish people who receive Jesus and become completed Jews, that's a miracle. That's awesome. But it's just like the miracle of you and I when God opened our eyes to our need for a Savior. And God invited Israel. He chose them. But they made excuses or they turned their back or they worshiped idols and God just put them on the side for a while. And he went out to the lame and the maimed and the blind. And that was you and me. We were spiritually crippled. We were spiritually blind. And then he chose us by his grace and mercy. And we and we came to that supper. We came to his invitation. And one day, the remnant Jewish people that were chosen and, and they accepted Jesus as a Messiah, the Gentiles, when we all go to heaven one day and have that seven year of marriage supper of the Lamb, we'll be blessed. But there's going to be a tribulation comes on to this earth one day and the Gentiles, some of them we know, and the Jewish people, some of them we might know, will be left behind. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to be into God's word, that we're being transformed, that when people see us, they see Jesus Christ that we're imitators of him. And there's that warmth and hunger that is bringing other people to us, that we can point them to a savior, to the savior. Now, we talked last time a little bit about the fullness of the Gentiles. When is that going to end? There's different theories on that. But understand, there is going to come a time when the fullness of the Gentiles is done, when the ministry to the Gentiles is finished. In the past week, since we taught, I taught last week, been just researching, I was telling John before, there's just so much that's going on in the world, there's so much in these scriptures that we could spend a couple years just in chapter 11, really, when you think about it, when you have Ezekiel 
and Daniel, um, Jeremiah, the book of Revelation, they have so many uh, tie-ins to chapter 11. And chapter 11 is so essential for us to understand that in chapter 11, it shows that God is not through with Israel as a nation, as a people. And that's so important for us to understand that. Because like I mentioned last week, they're going to be isolated. The only people that are going to be for them is going to be the evangelical Christians and the completed Jews that see and understand who the true Messiah is. That time is coming. It's right around the corner. Okay, that could be happening within this month if things go crazy over in the Middle East. That the Jewish people could actually be blamed if they attack Syria or Lebanon or any part of the Middle East or Iran. They could be isolated and say, well, why are you guys doing this? We were working on peace talks. Things were working out. They'll make it look like the, the Israel is the bad guy. They're not the bad guy. All the nations around them, the pagan nations who worship false gods, those are the bad guys. Now, yes, there is a blindness in Israel. But remember, you and I as Gentiles or as completed Jews are to stir up a jealousy. They're, they see us. They understand that. In Israel today, there's over 300 Messianic congregations. Those are completed Jews who are worshiping Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In Israel, is the time of the Gentiles closing as we see the Messianic congregation getting more and more over in Israel? I think yes. I think the window of opportunity is becoming less and less for the Gentiles and God is starting to turn his attention to our dear brothers and sisters, the Jewish people. In Ephesians 4, verse 18, Paul is writing and he's pointing this, he's directing this to the Gentiles that they, are, they have a blindness in their hearts. Well, we can say this, that there is a large population of Jewish people that have a blindness in their hearts. And this is what um, Paul is talking about in Romans 25, that a blindness in part has happened. And I want to emphasize that in part, it's temporary. It's not total. There's hope there. That in part is huge. Okay? We live in a time that we can see what's going on. Israel is a nation again. We don't live in a time where Israel is not a nation, where people couldn't figure that out before. Now they can figure it out. Let's look at, if you want to turn to it, you can. We looked at it last week, but 2 Corinthians 3.14. 2 Corinthians 3.14. But their minds were blinded. There we see that blindness again. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because a veil is taken away in Christ. Notice that's the only way that the veil is taken away, in Jesus Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. 
Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we have in our congregation, Jewish people, the veil has been taken away. They understand who their Messiah is. That was foretold in the Old Testament. Let's go to verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved as this is back in Romans. I'm sorry, Romans eleven twenty-six. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. A lot of Jewish people today, whether they be in Israel or in different parts of the world, don't believe in God. They, a lot are atheists or agnostics. They don't follow their own Old Testament books. Even the Jews in our country, a lot of them, they go to temple, but it's all based on good works. It's not based on blood sacrifice. There's no temple right now. But there is going to be a temple built one day. And there's going to be blood sacrifices again. But understand that just as Daniel talks about in Daniel 9, they missed the Messiah. They missed when Jesus Christ came. So those Jewish people in the future could be very near future. When the temple is built again and the blood sacrifices sacrifices instituted again. They're going to be tricked in believing that the Antichrist in place of Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They're going to put their trust in Him. And then during that tribulation period, halfway through, they're going to see that they were deceived. And during that seven years, there's going to be the 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams that are going to be evangelizing in Israel. There's going to be 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. And people say today, well, how do they know what tribes they're from? But understand, God is in control. He can reveal to people what tribe they came from. Nothing is impossible with God. Just because the genealogies were lost. They can still find out who they're from. God's going to reveal that to them. And there's going to be 144,000. And there's a cult today that says non-Gentiles are going to be part of that 144,000. That's a lie of the enemy. That's a cult. They don't even believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a lie of the devil to get, to get their eyes off of the truth in the Scriptures. They're not Jewish, the Jehovah Witnesses. They're not Jewish, those people that are going to be the 144,000. It's going to be Messianic believers that are going to be on fire for the Lord. And we see that the Deliverer, we know the Deliverer came out of Zion. We know that. We look back on history and know that was Jesus Christ. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Ungodliness, there's no relationship with God. There's no interest in the things of God. Look what's going to happen. That's tremendous what that says here. He's going to turn ungodliness away from Jacob. 
the Jewish people will be back in that relationship with the true God, the one true God. And notice what happens at the end of verse 27, when I take away their sins. There's only one way to take away sins. It's not going to be by works. It's not going to be by rituals. It's not going to be by a priesthood. It's going to be by the recognition that the Messiah, God himself, died on the cross, shed his blood for the very people he chose through Abraham. Verse 28. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. We have to be very careful when we read this verse, if we apply it to the Jewish people. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. That simply means that because of the Jewish people rejecting, the nation rejecting Jesus as a Messiah, God simply says, I'm going to put them on hold for now. I'm going to turn my attention to the Gentiles. So as a result of the Gentiles, God gave us the opportunity to know him as Lord and Savior. But he's not done. He didn't forget the very people he chose. He's going to be true to his word. It's an unconditional promise that God made to the Jewish people. He did make some things to them that were conditional. Okay? But this covenant has nothing to do with the Jewish people as far as their faithfulness or not. It's totally on the faithfulness of God that he will turn back his attention to Israel as a nation. Notice in the middle of verse 28, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Now, if you know a, a completed Jew, they were elected. God shed his grace on them before the national salvation comes. That national salvation many teachers believe will happen during that tribulation period. So that means the completed Jew will be with the saved, the converted Gentiles at the marriage supper of the Lamb. While that 144,000 are evangelizing. And notice that election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's going to be faithful to those men that he started and, and kept rolling his covenant through. He's a God of his word. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just like you and me, were not perfect human beings. They sinned, they made mistakes, but they did repent. They were convicted. There were consequences to their actions, but they were men whose heart, like David, was after God. Verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. How awesome is that verse? That 
The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. He never changes. I think as a Gentile believer, I would worry, I would be concerned personally if God was done with the Jews as a nation. That would concern me because I would see that his promises were for the Jewish people. Now he's just forsaken them and pushed them to the side. What would keep him doing the same thing for you and me? But he's a God of his word. He's going to be faithful to them just like he's faithful to you and me. This is a ex very exciting time. I just want to encourage all of you, keep getting into God's Word. Study it. Read it, but study it. Break it down. Um, get different commentaries and teachings and just keep bombarding your heart and your mind with the things of God. This is, this is more accurate than the newspaper. It's more true. It's not biased. The same, Jesus was, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. Verse 30, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they may also obtain mercy. So just like you and I were disobedient and God showed us mercy, he's saying, God, he's going to also show that same mercy he showed you and me to the Jewish people. That's awesome. We want to be alert. We want to be on our toes, ready. Because God will bring these dear Jewish people that don't know Jesus into your path. That's part of God's plan to do that. Pray that you're alert to these things. It's important. Let us be pumped when we see a Messianic Jew or when we see a Jew that's asking questions who hasn't received Jesus yet. They haven't been completed when they're curious about the things of God. And understand this, when we stand behind Israel and we voice our opinion, those Jewish non-believers will be drawn to us saying, the whole world's against us. Why are you staying with us? And the reason, because the same God your forefathers, your, the same God your forefathers worshipped and followed is our Messiah. Let me share some things with you from the Old Testament that show this is true. Verse 32, and also show mercy to the Jewish person. Don't be upset with them. Remember, you too were once blind. And if they have blinders on right now, maybe God is using you to help remove those blinders. Verse 32. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. You know, as a believer in Jesus the disobedience you came from, right? You know where you came from, you individually. And as Paul has shown throughout Romans, all of us have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standards. God groups us all, Jew and Gentile, together into that disobedience. And notice, we're all in that pen of disobedience. But why? Once you realize you're in that disobedient state, He can show you His mercy. The disobedient state says, you're sinners, you're going to go to hell and to the lake of fire for all eternity. But I got good news. God shows you mercy because you're not going to get what you deserve, which is what mercy is. You don't get what you deserve. You deserve to go to hell just like me. But you're not going there because he shed his grace on us by sending his son down to die on a cross and shed his blood. And the whole world that was against Christ, including the demonic world and and Lucifer himself, they thought they beat Jesus when he died on the cross. But three days later, the greatest victory that will ever have been won in the whole eternity and all universe, Jesus rises from the dead and shows that he has defeated all the principalities, all the powers, all the philosophy, everything. It's a done deal. It's finished. And now it's just a matter of people, individuals, putting their trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross. Verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. You can read the scripture from Genesis to Revelation thousands of times or hundreds of times in your lifetime. And you will never, ever dive deep enough to touch the bottom of his wisdom and his riches. You'll never touch the bottom. So keep diving in. Keep reading. Doesn't matter how many times you read. God will always satisfy a seeking and a hungry heart. I pray for all of us right now that we're always hungry, that we're always seeking that we always want to be filled by His precious Holy Spirit and that revelation will be given to us regardless of our age. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. And in His mercy and grace, He shows you those things He wants you to know. How many of you have read certain parts of Scripture? And you got something out of it, or maybe you didn't get anything out of it. Then you come back and read the same portion of Scripture again, and all of a sudden you say, wow, I didn't see that the first time around. Or it's speaking to me uh, something else this time around. And then you read it the fourth or the fifth time, and you come back to it in a couple of years, and it's like, whoa, I never saw that two years ago. It didn't mean that. Something came out of it. Well, that's part of God's ways. He's going to speak to your heart where you are at this time, in history. And if the Lord tarries and we're all here a year from now, there's going to be something else He's going to speak to you from His Word. Are you there and ready to receive it? That's the key. It's unsearchable. His ways are are past finding out. His ways are not our ways. 
Well, Lord, today, when I get into your word, I want my ways to line up with your ways, Lord. Change my heart. Create in me that heart so pure that it sees you and follows you and hears you. Because I want that biblical worldview. I don't want the worldview that sends me off like into the things of man. I want to see you right in the middle of the world that we live in today, Lord. Because I know it's all about you and your story and the culmination of history and everything coming together. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Have you? Have I? Do we know the mind of the Lord? Only what's revealed to us as we get into his word. We could never know in totality the mind of the Lord. He wouldn't be worthy of being worshipped if we knew his total mind. If our mind was equal with his mind. But yet when we come together or you read your Bible tonight before you fall asleep or wake up in the morning. He loves you so much he's going to show you things. That most likely you'll use the next day or that, you know, if you read in the morning, the rest of that day. Something will come up where what you read will just feed and strengthen your souls. Who has become his counselor in the second part of verse 34? I have over the years. Or I thought I was given, say, hey, God, you know, what about doing things this way? Stupid. Oh, stupid. Counselor. I can't counsel God. Give me a break. Seriously, who am I to even go there? I can't counsel him. Remember, these are some of the very things that uh, were in the book of Job. Were you there when I stretched out the heavens? No. We should be humble saying, Lord, I know nothing except what you reveal to me in the depths of your wisdom. And your understanding, Lord. Verse 35. Or who has first given to him and, sh and it shall be repaid to him. Imagine that. I could lend you 20 bucks. It'd be nice. But what am I going to give God? What can I give him that he doesn't already have? There is one thing you can give God, and that's your total being, body, soul, mind, spirit. And boy, watch out. Watch how he uses a foolish thing to confound the wise. Watch how he uses a weak vessel to bring glory to his name. Verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. For of him. Everything is of him. Everything. Nothing is not of him. And then man, of course, in their rebellion can take those things of God and, and use it for evil. But everything's of him. There's nothing that exists that doesn't come from God. Nothing that's made. Nothing that's created. Anything. It's all of him. And through him. 
It's only through him that you and I will have an eternity in heaven. These frail, aging, tired bodies on a Wednesday night in the middle of a week. He still can use us. That's incredible. Doesn't matter where we've come from, what we're going through, what our past life was, He can change everything and make it new. He can restore the day that the locust destroyed. He can bring it back and make it fruitful again. Only God can do that. The world has lost hope. We are people of hope. And to Him are all things. To Him are all things. Everything is His to be used at His. He even uses those people that are evil. He even uses those things that Satan tries to pull off through his demonic army. And what the devil meant for evil, he turns into good. Something happens. Something takes place as a result of even the evil schemes of the enemy. And Paul breaks out here into a verse of praise. To whom be glory forever. Amen. That's it. What else can we do but give him glory? And as a result of the things that we're seeing in the first, especially chapter 11, but all of Romans, all of Scripture, he goes into chapter 12, where we'll finish tonight in verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what we can do. We can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And we'll get into that next time we get in to our Romans. But I think right now, as we uh, get ready to praise Him, to think of all those things, the depth of His knowledge, the depth of His wisdom, the depth of His love, Him rescuing you and me from an eternity separated from Christ, an eternity of never knowing Him. I was thinking of John the Baptist, and for just before John the Baptist, 400 years that God was silent. 400 years. Can you imagine if God never spoke to you or me in the time we've been alive? How many of us have taken comfort in His words? How many of us have renewed hope because of Him and His word and His truth that one day we're going to be with Him? That just like Paul said, absent from the body would be present with the Lord. It's a glorious time to know that we are believers in Jesus Christ and that He's not done using us yet whether you're a prayer warrior, an, evangel, an evangelist, that you're just growing in your faith, God is going to use you with the little knowledge that you have because you can reach people that none of us will ever meet. Let's pray. Father, I thank you.